0: Thank you for tuning in to the Remodel Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires you and encourages your daily life. Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 25 through 35. <clears throat> and behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So basically, he's not going to die until he sees Jesus. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought marveled at these things which were spoken of him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you, God, for, for, I thank you, God, for giving me such an an incredible church, such a loving church. Jamie uh, hit the nail on the head when he said he's never seen so much love, God. Thank you so much for surrounding me with people who love you and who love people so much, God. We ask you, God, that today that you would speak into our hearts and into our minds. Help us to understand your word. Help us to receive your word. But, God, more than anything, help us to live your word out. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says. Amen. Amen. So this old man, Simeon, uh, he was a devout man, the Bible tells us. He was a man who who loved God, who, who loved him with all of his heart. And the Holy Spirit had revealed to him, you will not die until you see little baby Jesus. And uh, so this man, again, in his devotion would, would go to the, to the temple, go to the church every day and pray and worship. And I can only imagine how many babies he held in his hands and how many babies he held in his arms. And I wonder how many times he wondered, is this the baby? Is this the baby? But, you know, those of you that are parents will understand this. You can hold Hundreds, maybe even thousands of babies, but there's nothing like holding yours, right? There's just nothing, you can hug a bunch of little kids and you can squeeze their necks, but there's nothing like hugging your own. I think there's just something inside of us that just that just clicks. And so I believe that there was just something inside of it was obviously the Holy Spirit inside of Simeon that every time he would hold a child, there was something inside of him, letting him know this isn't him. But when Mary and Joseph came in, I can only imagine the presence of God uh, that was in that place. I can only imagine how the Holy Spirit came over. Simeon, could you imagine holding Jesus. Could you imagine being the man who waited his entire life, who waited years, maybe even decades, to finally hold Jesus, the Savior, the King of the world? And this man, there's no telling what he gave up, there's no telling um, what he sacrificed to live a life devoted to one day holding Jesus. And you see, and if, and if anybody ever understood who Jesus is, I believe it's Simeon. You see, whenever, uh, even Mary and even Joseph, you see, Joseph was, was very doubtful. When Mary comes to Joseph and says, I'm pregnant, and it's the Holy Spirit, so it's gonna be God inside of me. You know, You may not know this, but Joseph actually planned on leaving her. Joseph was planning on leaving, not quietly, but he was going to leave her. And who can blame Joseph? You guys with me? Who can blame? Amen, yeah. Who can blame him? But then it was the angels and it was the Holy Spirit who revealed to Joseph, hey, she's not lying. She's telling the truth. But I think even at that moment, they still didn't even understand. So when Simeon starts talking about he's the savior of the world, he's the light of the world. And, and that's why these people, that's why Joseph and Mary, they marveled. The Bible tells us they marveled because even though they hadn't, they, they kind of had an understanding, they couldn't quite wrap their minds around it. And the big thought that I want to introduce to you guys this morning is what we believe about Jesus determines the way that we live our life. What we believe about Jesus, what we believe about who Jesus is determines the way that we live our lives. It determines the way that we forgive. It determines the way that we love. It determines the way that we give. It determines the places that we go. It determines our attitude. Another thing is the way or what we believe about Jesus also dictates our perspective You know, what we believe about Jesus and what we believe about the Bible. You see, if we truly believe Jesus and about Jesus, and if we truly believe what his word tells us, then we know we shouldn't be storing up treasures on earth. Because why? Because the Bible tells us that in earth, there's moth and rust that destroy. But we should store up our treasures where? The Bible tells us in heaven. So what we believe about Jesus dictates my perspective about my possessions, about the money that I earn, about my family, about you and about people and how I should treat others. You see, what I believe about Jesus dictates the way I think about other people. Because if I don't really believe in Jesus and if I just come to church and I just occasionally read my Bible, but it doesn't change me it doesn't get a hold of me it's not really inside of my heart then what I do is I find blame to place on other people then when somebody's going through a hard time I'm not thinking oh how can I help them I'm thinking well you probably deserve it when somebody messes up I'm not quick to forgive but I'm quick to judge What we believe about Jesus determines the way that we live our lives, and it dictates our perspective. And so today, I want to encourage you to change your beliefs about Jesus. I want to encourage you to not only read and not only listen, but to apply it and to let Jesus grab a hold of your heart. In this season, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus, we got to understand that he's not just a baby. He's not still a baby. But he came to rule over our hearts. He came to rule over our lives. He came to change our perspectives. You see, church, I am convinced of this. I am convinced that the world's greatest problem, your greatest problem, is not sin It's not addiction, but it's simply that we don't understand the power of God. It's not sin. It's not addiction. It's not somebody else's addiction, and it's not somebody else's sin. It's that we don't truly understand who Jesus is. It's that we don't truly understand the power of the living, true God. Mark chapter 6. Leave something in in Luke chapter 2. But go with me back to Mark. Be the next book to the left. Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. In my opinion. In my opinion these are some of the saddest scriptures in the entire Bible. Mark chapter 6 verses 1 through 6. Then he, speaking of Jesus. Then he went out. From there and came to his own country. He he went back to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come. He began to teach in a synagogue. And many hearing him. Were astonished saying. Where did this man get these things. And that wisdom. And what wisdom is this which is given to him. That such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is not this. Listen. Is not this the carpenter. The son of Mary and brother of James, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were, listen to this, they were offended at him. Here are these people, they don't even know the gift that they have. You know, they... They didn't have that sign at the beginning, you know. You know, whenever like you go into H- Hope, Arkansas, and it's like home of Bill Clinton, or you go into another town and it's like home of, you know, one of these days you'll come into Granite and it'll say home of Zion, Tena, you know. They didn't have they didn't have that sign out in their at the at the entrance of their town yet. Home of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They were offended. At him. They weren't marveled by him. They weren't in awe of him. This is Jesus, the Son of God, who had been, if you will, on tour, going around preaching and teaching and healing people, man. He was putting his hands on blind people. He was he was spitting on the ground and making mud and rubbing them on people's eyes, and they were able to see. This is who they have in front of him, but they're not in awe of him. They're not worshiping him. They're not amazed by him. They're not impressed by him. They are, they're offended by him. Verse four, the saddest scripture. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives and his own house. Verse 7, verse 5, excuse me. Now he could do no mighty works there. He could do no mighty works there. Except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled. Listen, he didn't marvel because of their faith. He marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Listen to me, church. Some of you guys, some of you guys have been struggling a long, long, long time with the same issue. And I'm telling you, you could stop struggling today if you just believe in the power of God. Some of you guys have kept falling into the same mistakes over and over and over and over again. And I'm telling you, You could be changed today if you would just believe in who Jesus truly is. The saddest scripture, in my opinion, the saddest scripture in the entire Bible is the scripture saying, and he could do no mighty works because they didn't believe. Now us reading this 2,000 years ago, we think, what an idiot. That's what I think. These idiots, they didn't realize who was in front of them. They didn't know who was speaking to them. They didn't know the power that was in his hands. The power not even in his hands, but just in his voice. Come on, get a hold of it. Anybody else agree with me? I mean, it's harsh, but it's the truth. You didn't know who you had in front of you. But let me tell you, church, we have the same Jesus right in front of us today. And the same power, the same power that was in Jesus as he's walking those streets and and as he's not able to move and as he's not able to heal and he's not able to change people, not because he all of a sudden lost his power, but it's because they didn't believe. You see, you may be handicapping the power of Jesus in your own life. Not because he's not powerful enough, but because you're not willing to believe. And in this season, if we do anything, if we get anything right in this season, let's begin to believe in the power of Jesus again. Amen. Can we do that, church? Can we believe in the power of Jesus again? So this is who Simeon says, says he is. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. This is who Jesus, or Simeon Remember the old man who's, who's been waiting on the birth of Jesus. We'll start in verse 29. Simeon says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Verse 30, for my eyes have seen your, underline highlight, my eyes have seen your salvation. Jesus is salvation. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. If you don't get anything else today, if you don't get anything about Jesus, understand that he is Savior. Understand that he is salvation. Understand that he is a man that can change you. Understand that he is a man who will forgive you of all of your sins, of all of your mistakes, of all of your wrongdoings. He is savior. There has not ever been any other person who has been able to bore or or bear the burden of our sins, of our mistakes, of our shortcomings other than Jesus Christ. He is salvation. He is savior. And we've got to learn to trust in him. We've got to learn to trust in that We've got to learn to trust and give him our sins. Give him our mistakes. I think one of the things, man, now I want to speak to those of you who are longtime Christians. Because I think sometimes it's harder for us to repent. And it's harder for us to give, give it up and give it to God. Because somehow we fall into this trap of thinking that now that we're saved, now that we're Christians, we got to earn it. And we and and if we're doing wrong and if we've done wrong, then, then our sins are worse than the next person's, and we can't be forgiven. Let me tell you if God, if Jesus can't forgive your sins, then he can't forgive anyone's sins. Either Jesus can forgive everyone's sins or he can't forgive anyone's sins. You guys with me? He's savior, he is salvation. He came so that he could save your life. He came so that he could save your eternity. He came so that he could change your life forever. That's who Jesus is. We keep on reading. Um, Verse 31, we'll we'll read on through. Which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. And then verse 32, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon points out that Jesus is the light. Of the world. John 8, 12 says, Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus came, and Jesus is light of the world. What Jesus does is He shines light onto our path and He directs our steps. And man, I'm telling you, if we would learn to follow Jesus, how many mistakes we would avoid in life. If we would just learn to listen to God's voice, if we would just learn to listen to what his direction is telling us, what his guidance is giving us, man, how many mistakes we would avoid in life, how many people we would avoid hurting, and how many times we would avoid hurting ourselves. If we would just learn to follow the light of Jesus, the light of the world. We've got got to learn this, church. We've got to learn to follow the direction of Jesus. There's too many of us that are trying to figure it out all on our own. There's too many of us that are trying to follow our own direction and our own guidance. and, And we're listening to bad advice. Have you ever gotten advice and you just knew that was bad advice? I'll never forget the first time I, that I knew. Now, there several times that I got bad advice, and I didn't know it. But I'll never forget. It's like midnight, and it's me and a couple of friends, and we're outside of my house, and we're talking. I'm like 15, maybe 16 years old. And I don't even remember what the advice was. But I remember looking at him and saying, dude, that was the worst advice I have ever gotten in my entire life. You're an idiot. Now We were good friends, so all he did was punch me in the arm, and we were good to go. But some of us, we're getting bad advice, man. We're, we're following the wrong voices and we're hearing, we're, we're allowing crowds and we're allowing um, social media and we're allowing bad friends to tell us how we should live and what we should do. And I'm telling you, if you would just get that Jesus is light of the world and if you would just start following his, his path and if you just start following his guidance, how much heartache you could avoid in this lifetime. I'm not saying that everything would be easier because a lot of times following God's direction isn't the easy way out. But it does mean less heartache most of the times. So number one, Jesus is salvation. Number two, Jesus is the light. Next, uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 27 through 33. Go with me there if you will. Mark chapter 8, verses 27 through 33. Now Jesus and his disciples went out to the towns of Caesarea Philippi, and on the road he asked the disciples, saying to them, What do men say that, who do men say that I am? So they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elijah, and others, one of the prophets. And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said to him, You are the Christ. Then he strictly warned them that they should not tell anyone about him. Jesus is, Jesus is the Christ. The Christ means the anointed one. It means the savior. It means the redeemer. That's who Jesus is. He came to save. He came to redeem. And he is the anointed one, the appointed one that can do that. Jesus is the Christ. And lastly, Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. I'll just read it to you. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is And should be in your life, Lord. Now, what this means is this means that He's King. This means that He is ruler. This means that He has the say so over our lives. Jesus is, and Jesus should be Lord. Now, here's the thing about Jesus being Lord in our lives is that it is our decision, it is our choice. And so we decide whether or not Jesus is Lord over our lives. You know, that's why in Romans chapter 10, In Romans chapter 10, whenever it gives us uh, what so many people call the sinner's prayer or the prayer of salvation, it says, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So a part of receiving the grace and the forgiveness and the salvation of Jesus Christ is saying, you are ruler from this day forward. You are my Lord. You are my King. You are ruler over my lives and you give direction and I will obey and I'll follow you. Jesus should be Lord over our lives. And again, the thing about this is it's all your choice. And so a simple way to know this is, is what, what's the determining factor in all of your decisions? Do we, do we make all of our decisions based on how I feel about it and, and what my gut tells me and, and what my heart says about it and, and how this affects me and how this is going to look for me? Or do we allow Jesus to be Lord and say, God, what do you say about this issue? What do you say about, the, about this decision? What do you say about the way I should respond to this. See, and I want to encourage you in this season, in these days, as we celebrate the coming of Jesus and as we celebrate the gift of Jesus and we celebrate the Savior of the world, I want to encourage you to take it a step farther and say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord over my life. I want you to be the ruler over my life. I want you to be the one who has control over my life. I want you to be the one who dictates my every answer, my response, the way that I live my life. This is the end of the message. For more information, go to www.therremodelchurch.com.